Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Evolve Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Mail, and I just want to say thank you guys so much for being here. I have been loving podcasting recently. Um, I kind of fell off a little bit, but recently I've just been honestly having incredible conversations with people, and I'm loving being able to share them with you guys. Um, and in order for me to continue doing this and continue growing and continue having people on the podcast and really just making it into something I really want it to be, um, I need to get it out there. So if you can share this episode, um, leave me a review or just let me know that you're enjoying it. <laughs> Honestly, anything, it means a lot just because I need feedback and I need to know if this is worth my time. So if you guys don't mind, um, share this with a friend, share it with a client, share it with a family member, um, someone that you think might need it. And um, if you would be so kind as to leave me a review, I would truly, truly appreciate it because that's what's going to keep this podcast going. That's what's going to get better guests on and just continue these awesome conversations. So I truly, truly appreciate it. Our sponsor for today's episode is Premium Jane CBD. Premium Jane is a company based out of Arizona and all of their products are non-GMO, they are lab tested, they are full spectrum, and they are incredible. I have been using the drops and the pills for the past two months and it's the first time I've ever been able to be consistent with CBD because the pills make it so easy. I just take it with my vitamins in the morning, I don't have to think about like a nasty taste in my mouth, and it has truly made a difference in my daily life, just feeling less stressed, less anxious and it has just it set me up for so much more success in such a more relaxed day so if you guys want to check out premium jane go to the show notes and use code gabby for 15 percent off All right, everybody. I have Whitney, and is it Catal Catalano? Catalano. Yeah, got it. Oh, score. I feel like I do this every time I record a podcast. I'm like, I have to double check. But um, okay, so I have you here, and I'm so excited to talk with you. You are a registered dietitian, but you have a focus with food freedom and just helping women feel more confident in their bodies and around food. And um, I actually found. I was just telling her I found you. Um, from one of my clients actually tagged me in one of your posts and it just resonated so hard. I was like, I have to get this girl on a podcast. I just, you have so much information and knowledge to share with everyone and I cannot wait to dive in. So do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the podcast? And honestly, to me, we've never met before. So I'm excited to, to also learn. Yeah. So I am Whitney Catalano. Like you said, I am a registered dietitian specializing in food freedom. I help people break free from the diet binge cycle, um, you know, be overwhelmed and make peace with their bodies and really take back the power from their inner bully. So it's a lot of mindset work. It's a lot of, um, you know, healing from decades of restriction. I work with a lot of people who have been dieting since they were teenagers and have experienced a lot of weight-based trauma. Um, I'm very passionate about like fat activism and just rejecting diet culture altogether. So that's my whole spiel. Amen, sister. I'm literally sitting here like, yes, yes, yes. How do I not, how did I not already follow you? Like it's, it's such, it's something that's so needed in today's society with the phase that we all went through in like the early 2012, 13, 14, 15 of like the Fitzbos and I went through it. And I'm excited to hear about your story a little bit about how you kind of got to where you are, because I'm sure being a registered dietitian, it probably, I mean, you tell us, did it start off being like you wanted to, like, were you, were you ever obsessed with food and was it kind of that transition or have you always been like, I know I want to help women kind of break from dieting? 
No, I have a long history of dieting. So I, um, I started dieting at like 13 or 14. Um, because I was, you know, I was bigger as a kid, but I always like to say when I tell my story, like I definitely wasn't marginalized. And I think it's important for me to clarify that because uh, I have to acknowledge my privilege every step of the way. But um, I definitely look different from my friends. And I figured out pretty quickly that like, it's not okay to be bigger, quote unquote, you know, and so I went on my first diet, I went on you know, it's interesting because all of the stuff in the media right now is about the weight, the new Weight Watchers app for kids. But I, yes. like, I went on Jenny Craig, I went on Weight Watchers, like I did all those things at like 14. Yeah. And it started like a lifetime of obsessive relationship with food and just, um, you know, dieting on and off, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, like realizing that you know, meal plans and stuff. I just didn't know that the meal plans that were given to you and Jenny Craig wouldn't, you wouldn't just like lose weight and then everything would be fixed forever. Like I just didn't, I was young. Like I was a child. <laughs> I know 14, like I looked like an adult, but I was a child and I just shouldn't have been, it's just not, it's not it. So that led to, you know, progressively worse disordered eating throughout college. Um, it kind of started at the end of high school where I was like, I'm going to get healthy. And by that I meant, eat, you know, very, very little and like drink smoothies as meal replacements. And it was just kind of the whole, you know, the whole thing, like exactly what you would expect from someone who's like, quote, getting healthy, um, but knows nothing. And went to college, my disordered eating got way worse, decided to become a dietitian because I wanted to be a therapist originally, which is ironic. Um, but I was actually getting bored on my psychology classes. And I was like, nutrition sounds perfect because I can like control my food that way. And I did that and I was like addicted to weight loss pills and I was like, did all the things and was just a freaking mess. Um, and found out pretty quickly that the more you learn about food, the less control you have. <laughs> like it wasn't helping, it wasn't doing anything. I was still binge eating at night, I was still crying all the time. Like it was just horrible. And at some point um, along the way, a couple of years ago, my dad passed away and I, had this sort of out of body moment where I was like, I can't keep doing this. And also I want to go into a career that feels really good. And I really don't want to help people lose weight. Like it just didn't feel aligned for me. And I didn't know what felt aligned, but I knew that that didn't. And I knew that I didn't want to keep dedicating my life to it. So I kind of like accidentally started recovering and then learned about it and then was like oh my god this is insane and then really became good at it and learned everything there was to know and now I'm here <laughs> yeah and I love too with you you have it from a scientific perspective um it's not just like with me I, I mean I know my fair share about nutrition and obviously like growing up with a rest restrictive habits very similar to you like you learn all the things about calories and macros and like you get you become a wizard in macros but having that background, like that scientific background, like you really do understand it from like a very scientific level and being able to kind of mesh that balance and that food freedom with that actual like science of becoming healthy, like literally doing it for your health, not only your physical health, but your mental health and your emotional health. I think that's really cool because a lot of people in the food freedom coaching world that I've noticed and I've worked with and I've talked to, they don't necessarily have that scientific background and that knowledge. They just have it from personal experience. So I love that you've kind of gone about it in a way of like, you have your degree, but you're doing it in a way that feels super aligned with you. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I want to kind of shift gears and talk about weight loss. And I know that's a huge part of your story. And like growing up, I'm, I'm listening to your story. I feel like I'm very similar to you. And I know a lot of girls listening are in the same boat too. Um, so 
we have this obsession with weight loss. We really do. And I know it's something that you wanted to talk about and that you love talking about on your platform. So like, I just want to hear a little bit about how you help your clients and like, I guess, tips that you can give girls for who are in this phase of like feeling like they really want, like want and need to lose weight and how that's just honestly controlling their lives and how it's controlling their thoughts and everything. And maybe some tips or things that you um, tell your clients to do to help them get out of that cycle of just like always feeling like putting so much value on this number when they step on a scale. I'll give a little bit of an example because I feel like that'll be easier to sort of demonstrate, demonstrate. It. So for anyone who's listening, you know, when you decide that you were going to go on a diet, you're so excited. You're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go on a diet. You get that like euphoria. It's literally like a dopamine response in your brain being like dieting. Yeah. Like we're changing our lives. We're, so fixing all our problems, whatever it is in response to, right? And, <clears throat> excuse me, you get really excited. Um, you start to go to the gym. You start to do whatever with food. No, 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 no. You're weighing yourself every day, every other day, whatever it is. This obsession with the number, we're, we're going to lose weight. Losing weight is the ultimate goal. And then what happens? You get on the scale one day and you've gained a pound because maybe you haven't gone to the bathroom in a day. Or like you get on the scale and the weight hasn't changed. Or maybe you're losing a little bit of weight, but then it stops. And all of a sudden, any motivation that you had to go to the gym or eat fruits and vegetables or do anything, you feel like a failure. You feel like I can't do anything right. I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? This is like so hard. You just beat yourself up for it all day. It ruins your whole day. You don't want to go out with friends. You don't want to eat. You want to punish yourself. Maybe you go to the gym extra hard. Like it becomes this really punishing relationship with what you're doing because the number didn't do exactly what you wanted it to do that day. And you're where are you left with? So what happens over time when weight loss is the goal is that everything that we do in service of weight loss is dependent on weight loss. So then when you're actually trying to build habits that are long-term, that are healthy, that are sustainable for you and that are joyful for you and really like feel good in your body. Um, if you're still focusing on weight loss, you're never going to be able to do that because you've got this cycle stuck in your head of like, it's, I have to punish myself if I'm not losing weight. Everything has to be in service of losing weight. And I don't like to do any of these things unless I'm losing weight. Yeah. And that becomes so, so harmful that that takes a lot of time to unpack. So the number one thing that I always say to people who are like on the fence, who feel like they have to lose weight, but they know that weight loss is like taking over their lives and ruining their lives is you ready just means being ready to let go of losing weight just means that the costs outweigh the benefits. It doesn't mean that you're like excited that you're like, yes, I'm never going to try to lose weight again. Like I'm so confident in that because you're not going to be. It just means that the costs outweigh the benefits and you're at a breaking point and you need to do this. Um, and the fact of the matter is there is no way around it. Anyone who's trying to sell you food freedom with a focus on weight loss is lying to your face and will leave you more disordered than you came into it because you're going to have to unpack that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you're going to sit down and really unstick all of that. And I've worked with those clients before who had pseudo food freedom and they are the most confusing clients I've ever worked with because they got their heads like fucked with by these people selling weight loss and food freedom. It's not, you can't do both. You have to, have to, have to, have to let go of weight loss as a goal 
and find what nourishes your body and your soul separately and work through all the trauma around weight. Um, so, you know, if you're not ready for that, if you still need to go on another diet, then go on another diet. Don't let me tell you you're never allowed to diet again. It's hard. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to make that decision for you. So go on that other diet, build that evidence that it doesn't work. And then we're going to be here. Yeah. And you know, you're going to get to that point where the costs outweigh the benefits. So start looking for that point. Yeah. I think that's so important too, because it's, I, I've even had this conversation with a couple of my friends. I'm like, just thinking about the future as I'm getting older in my twenties. And I'm like, what about when I have kids? Like, how do I make sure my, if I have a daughter, how do I make sure she doesn't go through what I went through? How do I make sure she doesn't have disordered eating? But it's almost like I've never met someone that hasn't had some kind of disordered eating. And like you just said, it's, it's almost like you can't, you can do amazing things as far as like making sure that they feel comfortable and confident around foods and not putting labels on foods and all those things. But there also is like a point where like you almost have to go through some shitty times with food to understand, like you said, that the diet doesn't work and build up that evidence so that you like, I feel like food freedom is one of those things is it'll happen when it's meant to happen. And you'll really feel that click when it's meant to. And, um, yeah, I don't know if you have any like tips as far as, cause I've, it's been a very hot topic with me and my friends have been talking about like what we can do to like help younger girls as far as like maybe in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade and that like younger, like they're right in there. Like when you start, when we developed our disordered habits and I've done a lot of work of thinking like, where did they come from? Like where, did, what, what caused them? So do you have any, I know this is kind of like out, out there, but do you have any ideas as to what, as we grow older, or if there's parents listening, I have a lot of moms that listen, things that they can do to help their daughters um, not develop these habits so that they don't have to go on diets and go through all of these phases that we've gone through? I mean, for starters, it's the, the basics of allowing children to honor their hunger and fullness no matter what. So if they're hungry for desserts, if they, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of theories around childhood feeding that um, it's actually helpful to have dessert available at all times, but you have specific times when you eat, but it's like the child can choose dessert if they want. And that enables food freedom because guess what? If that child eats brownies five days in a row, they're going to get sick of brownies. Like that's just human beings. Like we get sick of the things that we eat a little too much of. Everyone has an experience with that, you know, and it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just like you eat a little too much of something and you're like, Oh, I don't know. Like that feels weird now. So this is just something that happens and allowing children to do that, not focusing on weight, um, really talking about, you know, your body is going to change. So around sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like you're talking about that age group, I think there's this fear because of what we see on Instagram and in the media about, um, it's almost like these childlike bodies are being really celebrated right now, but it's like childlike bodies with big butts. And you're like, this is not what people look like, you know? And so I know I have a lot of kids in my DMs who are like in middle school and high school being like, I'm terrified to gain weight. And it's like, you're gonna gain weight. Like, women especially go through a second puberty in college. So everyone talks about that like freshman 15, quote unquote, but like you're also gaining hips. Like you're going yeah. through puberty. Like you, this is, puberty does not end at 14. Puberty continues throughout college and then your body continues to change as you get older. There's like no avoiding it. It just keeps like, you just keep changing. So yeah. 
developing a confidence in yourself outside of what your body looks like, really um, limiting the amount of body talk. So if your friends are talking, if kids are listening or parents, you know, if friends are talking about weight loss and their bodies and stuff like that, just saying, oh, that doesn't matter. Like we don't need to be talking about that or like, or trying to navigate the conversation in a way that's like, we don't, bodies are not the most important thing to be talking about right now. And really encouraging um, playfulness around food. So making food a fun experience. It's not about fueling. It's not about good nutrition all the time. And it's not about like, get all the like bad stuff out of your house. It's about, you know, food has always been joyful. And only recently have we made it this rigid thing. So let's keep food joyful. I love that. I love that so much. And going back to what you said about our bodies are always changing. I, I mean, I've experienced this and I experience a lot of people messaging me saying this and clients saying this, but it's very, very common for women, like you said, in that college area where they do maybe gain weight. And I even notice it in like my mom and my mom's friends and just older women too. They're always like, oh, if only I could weigh what I did back then, or if I could fit into the jeans back then, or if I could like, I, I, I weighed this, like I, why am I not weighing this now? And it is that idea of like, we are literally, our bodies are, are always changing. We're completely new humans. Like I forget what this, what the number is, but like our, like our skin's always like completely shedding and we are literally changing always. And so it, I think that is something that needs to be taught more is just literally the anatomy. Cause I, I mean, I didn't even really know that we went through a second puberty in college. I, I think we just society places it as, Oh, like it's a freshman 15, like you're drinking too much beer and you know, like eating fast food and stuff. But it's actually normal too. And people go through it at different areas and at different times. And so I think, I mean, honestly, I would put it down to just the public health major in me is like education and just educating kids on and not educating them from a disordered point of point of view. I think that's really important too. making sure that people that are educating are actually educated on the truth and not also, I think that's, I mean, we can even talk about that too. Like, um, just, I mean, I can, I did it when I first started coaching and I had disordered habits. Like I was coaching people to be disordered. And I think that's a huge issue we have today. So um, what is something that you like with your clients or just with people that come to you on Instagram? Like what is something that you could maybe suggest to people, whether that's clearing their feet or just making sure they're following people who aren't disordered, but how can they make sure that they are looking up to people that are going to be teaching them healthy habits, if that makes sense? Um, I think if the, one of the big red flags is that if you ever see them talking about weight loss being a goal, get out of there. Um, like I said, the pursuit of weight loss is, it, it makes us blind to everything else. And we see it on a cultural level and we see it on an individual level. Like the story I just told, when you're focused on weight loss, it's really, really, really hard to build sustainable habits. Is it impossible? No, people do it but really hard comes with a lot of risks <laughs> and disordered eating being the big one. Um, then when we're talking about it on a cultural level, like this obsession with weight loss is really getting in the way of us recognizing and admitting that we're like severely harming people's mental health. And it's making professionals like respected professionals look real bad because they're focused so much on weight loss and that they're totally ignoring the entire aspect of like, this is really bad for mental health. So any way, like any account that weight loss is a focus, unfollow that. That's for starters. Um, 
anytime you see someone talking like a celebrity or something talking about their weight loss diet or them needing to, I'll see celebrities post like a bikini picture being like, Mm got to get back in the gym or like got to do whatever. So when that happens, just remember that like their standards for their bodies are not a reflection of you and how you should feel about your body. And I know that it's really easy to internalize that and be like, well, if she feels like she needs to get back in the gym and like, what about me? Like, oh my gosh, you know, it's really easy to internalize that, but it's also not yours to take on. And then, you know, really just focusing on what it is that makes you happy and what it is that makes you fulfilled in your life. And that's not going to be an easy answer. Like that is the cause of everyone's existential crisis is like, what makes me happy? I have no idea. You know, so it's an existential crisis. We get that, but it is something that, you know, focusing on that is going to give you so much more power in your life than focusing and distracting with weight loss. Because guess what happens? You become my clients who are in their forties and fifties. Cause I predominantly work with people who are older, mm-hmm. um, who, distracted for 30 years with weight loss and Mm -hmm. then are now left and having an existential crisis in their forties and their Mm fifties. And it's really hard and it's not impossible. Very, we get through it. We always get through it, but it's very hard and very scary to think about how many years you spent dieting. Yeah. Yeah. I think about how, how ingrained the the things were in my head and I feel like I was, I mean, I'm lucky I'm only 23 and I, I feel like I'm in a very good place right now with my relationship with food, but it's, I mean, it's still, it's a hard, hard battle still. And I'm still learning and I'm still growing, but, and I'm lucky I'm 23. Like I could, could be, like you said, 50. And so it's like, you have to almost consider those things when you're thinking about like, do I want to find food freedom? Like, should I stop dieting? Think about yourself. Like, do you want to be the 50 year old that is scared to eat a brownie at a cookout? Like, are, do you want to be, what do you want to show your kids? How do you want your kids to grow up? And just, I always tell my clients, one of my biggest things is like, just doing it for your health and your health. That means again, your social health, your, the relationships, your, your family, like your, your, all of these different areas of health that aren't just physical and aesthetic. Um, and that brings me to a really interesting question and I'm very excited to hear your opinion on this. So what about the client who is overweight, like just medically, like maybe pre-diabetic very much like does need to lose weight in this for their health? Um, where's, where's your opinion and where do you stand in food freedom and, or being able to lose weight for health reasons, but do it in a free and healthy way? Like, is, is that possible? Is, is, what is, I think it's a hot topic right now of like, these people have kind of found their relationship with food, like are starting to get on the other side, but also like still do want to look good and feel good, or maybe for medical reasons need to lose weight. Where is that line and how do we really balance food freedom? And maybe if you do need to lose weight for medical reasons. So it's a tough, no, that's kind of, I mean, I talk about this all the time. That's, that's kind of 10 different questions though. And I think that's where the thing that, um, it gets really confusing because people are like, well, what about, I do want to look good and feel good, but also I have to lose weight for medical reasons. I'm like, first of all, that's like five different things. Second of all, like who's to say you can't look good and be quote overweight, like Mm -hmm. overweight is a myth. BMI is bullshit. Like that's for starters. And I have a whole podcast episode on that. So if y'all want to check that out. Yeah, I have a researcher come on and explain exactly why BMI is yes. absolute bullshit. Um, yeah. But in terms of losing weight for health, so first of all, we need to talk about how the system is rigged, right? Because losing weight for health is 
in my opinion, if you were told by a doctor, you need to lose weight because you're pre-diabetic. Um, and also I want to quickly clarify that everyone who is in a bigger body, whether overweight or quote, I, I don't say that next word cause it's stigmatizing, but, um, you know what word I'm talking yeah. about. Um, it, that doesn't mean that you're like destined to die from a heart attack or diabetes. And people really think that and conflate the two, but there's actually, that's not whatever. Go listen to my podcast episode on that. I get very intense about it. But anyway, so um, if a doctor is telling you that you need to lose weight for your health and has not given you any other advice, let's say you are pre-diabetic, like you have those numbers coming up in your blood work. Um, that doctor, in my opinion, I believe that that is bordering on medical negligence. I believe that that is bordering on um, malpractice. The reason why I say that is because telling a person to lose weight to help with diabetes when we have no zero evidence that long-term weight loss works um, for a majority of people. It's about 95% of people who lose weight in um, weight loss studies regain the weight within two to five years. So that's like a doctor recommending a pill that only works 5% of the time. That's not medicine. That is fat phobia in a lab coat, basically. So if you are told that you need to lose weight, for starters, get a second opinion. Also, when it comes to like prediabetes and cholesterol, all of these things, we have plenty of research that you can absolutely reverse prediabetes and um, fix your, like heal your cholesterol, lower your cholesterol, words are hard, um, without, and protect your heart, reduce your risk of heart disease um, without weight loss. You don't need to lose weight to do these things. But no one's telling you that because people are way more invested in the fact that you need to lose weight than they are in your health. <laughs> and yeah. that's the sad truth about it. So if you still feel like you want to lose weight, that's fine. But recognize that there's a lot of risks associated with that. You may develop disordered eating. You may have lowered a a better blood panel initially, but then long-term set yourself up for yo-yo dieting and weight cycling, which is far worse for your health than just being fat. And I will literally die on that hill. Whereas it is so, so, so much worse to weight cycle than it is to just be fat. The other thing that we need to talk about too is weight stigma. So weight stigma negatively affects your cholesterol, your blood panel, your A1C, your blood glucose, like everything that you're concerned about with your health is negatively impacted and directly negatively impacted by weight stigma. And what that means is like when you are weight shamed in the doctor's office, that is actually hurting your health. That is harming you. So one, I would definitely try to find a health at every size um, practitioner, someone who can help you focus on health regardless, because your number one priority, if you still want to lose weight again, that's fine, but don't make weight loss be the cure to your pre-diabetes or your high cholesterol, whatever it is, focus on your pre-diabetes and your high cholesterol. End of story. If you want to lose weight, do that or try to do that or whatever it is, because I can't tell you not to do that, but don't conflate the two. Stop, stop combining the two together because they don't go together. They're separate things. And actually a lot of the things that we can do for weight loss will harm our health. Like I just said. So that is my like two cents on that is there are a lot of ways to manage your blood sugar. There's a lot of ways to manage your cholesterol and bring those down. There's a lot of things that you can do. And if you're being told you have to lose weight, you have to lose weight, you have to lose weight, keep getting second opinions if you can. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah. it's not, 
It's fat phobia. Exactly. And it's so much more productive for a doctor instead of saying, okay, like here's your numbers, like diagnosis, you need to lose weight. It's so much more productive for them to say, okay, your numbers are looking here. Let's maybe add in and give concrete suggestions. Maybe let's add in a little bit of movement in whatever way that means for you. Let's maybe, um, instead of taking foods out of your diet, let's maybe add in a few more fruits and vegetables and just giving better advice and giving better, like you said, giving better doctor tips instead of just saying, okay, we need to lose weight. And then, cause when people say that, like you said, then you go back to, okay, what is their knowledge on weight loss? Maybe they, all they know about weight loss is I need to eat only salads and I need to take this weight loss pill. Like that's not healthy. That's like you said, worse for your health than actually just being pre-diabetic. And so it's, I think, like you said, doctors need to be able to just give better, not even weight loss. It doesn't have to do with weight loss, just health tips and teaching them how to be healthy. Yeah. What they need to be doing is exactly what doctors were trained to do and what they don't do now, which is doctors were trained to say, you need to go see a dietitian who specializes in pre-diabetes to help with your health because dietitians are the experts. Like we need to stop letting, first of all, letting doctors give nutrition and weight loss advice because doctors don't know shit about nutrition. Like that's most of the doctors that I know took one nutrition class. If that it's literally no, stop listening mm-hmm. to doctors about nutrition advice. Don't listen to anyone's nutrition advice who doesn't know how you currently eat. 10 out of 10 times, I would, let's say go with nine out of 10 times. My clients go into the doctor and the doctor will say, oh, you're, you know, let's say they have no issues. The doctor will be like, oh, your blood panel is great. Your, you know, everything's great, but your weight. And then they'll start harping on, you need to eat better. You need to exercise more. They're like, first of all, I have a history of an eating disorder, which I told you. Second of all, you just said I'm healthy and now you're harping about my weight. And third of all, you're assuming how I eat and how I exercise based on my weight. There's so many factors that go into into weight as it could be a hormone issue. It could be a mental health issue. It could be so many other things besides just diet and exercise. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening are, can agree that like you, even when you eat healthy and you exercise, it's like you can still stand next to someone who's eating and exercising the exact same amount as you and eating the same things as you. And you're going to look different. Your bodies are going to react differently. And I think that all this information you're sharing is just like, it needs to be more prevalent and it needs to be more widely just like known and accepted because it's so, it's sad that people don't have access to this or not. They do have access to this information, but they don't know where to get it or how to get it or um, whatever, just because of the society we're growing up in and in the world we're growing up in. And like you said, doctors should not be giving this advice. They're very much on a schedule, on a time crunch. And they, if they can just say, yep, okay, you need to lose weight and they can get you out of their office to get another client in, they're going to do that. And um, there's a lot of moving parts with this issue that I think <laughs> need to get fixed in order for it to kind of be resolved, um, which is unfortunate. But I think the first part is just educating yourself about like, what is health? What is healthy for you? What does healthy look like for you? Um, and kind of just going from there. And like you said, maybe going to a specialist, not just trusting um, your just your general practitioner's information because they might not, they might have a disordered relationship with food. Like I know plenty of doctors that, it's like the doctor that smokes, like you think like he knows it's going to give him lung cancer, but he's still, that doesn't mean he's not taking that advice, you know? So yeah, it's, it, it's a difficult topic. And it's one that I think if you are struggling with this, I would 100% go to Whitney, talk to her. I'm sure she would love to work with you and can help you through this. But go to someone who specializes in this. Don't just go to um, a, doc, a doctor or someone who 
doesn't specialize in nutrition and not just even nutrition. Cause I know plenty of registered dietitians who are, are disordered and teach disordered habits as far as like eating clean only. Um, or if they're vegan, they only teach being vegan when maybe being vegan for someone else isn't exactly the best choice. Um, so just make, making sure that the people that you're working with and the people you're taking advice from are right for you, not right for them, right for you. Um, and are truly taking your best interest into like all of their, um, angles and views and stuff. Um, I want to talk about trusting our bodies because I know that's, again, that's something that you wanted to talk about. And I think after we go through this dieting phase, we really do lose touch with our bodies. We lose touch with our hunger cues. We lose touch with portion control and sizing, which can then lead to binge eating and overeating. Um, and we really just lose touch with how to listen to our bodies Um, I know I felt that way. Like I didn't know what hungry felt like or like how to, when when to stop, when full was. Like I lost those natural, is it ghrelin? Ghrelin? Release? Yes. Um, So smart. And and I I really did. I lost touch with that. And and it took me a long time to really trust my body again and believe in what it's telling me. Um, so for someone who's really struggling to like listen to their body and feel like in touch with that, especially like the hunger cues and just how to like, everyone says like, listen to your body, like trust your body and all that. But like, how do you actually do that? If you have been on a lifetime of dieting, um, your journey is going to look a lot different than someone who hasn't. Um, for starters, I think the number one thing that is going to be Um, really unsettling for you to hear is that you're gonna have to go through this sort of binge phase and everyone has to go through it because if you've been restricting for however many years your body has to binge and it's kind of like this thing I always frame it to my clients as it's your body learning to trust that it's going to get enough food because binge eating is a direct response to restriction it does not happen in the absence of restriction we binge eating is caused by mental, emotional, physical, or fulfillment restriction. And I have a whole lot of said on that too, but it's when we remove the restriction around food, the, the mental restriction, the emotional restriction, the physical restriction, which takes time. Um, you go through this sort of like, I could eat Oreos every day for the rest of my life. Um, and I'm freaking out. Like, am I ever going to stop eating Oreos? Am I ever going to, you know, eat healthy again? And it's terrifying. It will make you feel like you're just in a constant panic mode and it's horrible. But on the other side of it, you do wake up one day and all of a sudden you don't want Oreos anymore because that is the process of what's called habituation. You basically eat your off limits foods until they become normal foods and they're not off limit foods anymore. They're just foods. And we have to do this with our, with our off limits foods because that's the only way that you're going to normalize your eating patterns. Um, so just know that the beginning phase, that binge phase is necessary. It will get you where you want to be. It's going to feel terrifying and you're doing everything right. Just keep letting your body like take over and take control because your body will take control once it knows that it's getting enough food. But right now it doesn't know that it's getting enough food. It just thinks, Oh my gosh, we just came out of a a famine. Now we need to feast. We need to let the body know that it's not going to be in another famine. Another way that you want to do that is by eating consistently. I don't care what you're eating. I tell my clients this all the time. It's the first conversation we have right out the gate. I don't care what you're eating, but you're eating three meals a day. You can eat mac and cheese for three meals a day. I don't give a shit. 
All that I care about is that you're eating three meals a day, no skipping meals. I don't care what you ate the day before. I don't care what you ate the last meal. You no skipping meals because you have to get your body on a clock again. We have to let the body know that it's going to get fed. Otherwise, you won't be able to reconnect to that hunger and fullness because it'll still think that you're in the survival mode, that you're escaping some famine or some, you know, like a potato famine. Like it thinks <laughs> your body doesn't know that we live in the 21st century. Like it has no idea. It thinks that we're running from lions still. Yeah. So just, you know, you got to just do, you got to do it. It sucks, but this is what it is. And it's for the greater good. Yeah, dude, that it's so true. And it, it, it's almost like when you said it, it was like, it is it's one of those things people don't tell you. Like a lot of food freedom people and people who preach whatever balance, whatever it, it's the hard truth. And it's in it, it, that doesn't sell well, like normally, cause it, that scares a lot of people and being a coach, it can be scary to tell someone that, especially that's in that. Cause you know that they're either going to be like, okay, I can do this or hell no. Um, but the person who is like, okay, I'm ready to do this. They're the person that's going to make the change. They're the person that's going to find the freedom. They're the person that's going to, that's ready for it, you know? And when you, I think when you truly want, when you truly, truly want to find that freedom and that like connection with your body, you will do anything, you know, you really will. And it's, and it is scary. It is hard. I literally was, when you said that I'm sitting here, like that was me with granola. That was me with cereal. That was me with all those foods that I like refused to like had a fear around and would never buy. And then I finally bought them and I ate them a lot. And then I bought them again and I ate them a lot. And then I bought them again. And I was like, Oh, I've eaten so much granola. Like I don't even want to look at it now. It's like, and it is, it's true. It's a scary, it's a scary thing, but it is the key. And it, it literally will like freedom is on the other side of that. And yes, it's still going to be a long journey. Yes. There's still a lot of hoops and hurdles and things to kind of figure out after that. But that once that you've done that, it's, it's almost like, I call it like going back to your middle school self. Um, maybe even a little younger, like our elementary school, like our, how we would treat food. And like if someone, if you had a pizza party at school, you wouldn't be like, oh, like, should I have pizza? You'd be so excited. And you'd have maybe one piece. And if you wanted another, you'd get another. And most of the time we were good with one piece because we just, that's what our bodies asked for. Um, it's when we started placing all these, yeah, these rules and restrictions that it kind of, it gets messed up in the middle. Um, but I love that. And I love how honest you can be about that because I think people needed to, need to hear it. Um, and then you've touched on binge eating and, um, almost calling it like a binge cycle. And I think a lot of people really mess up the difference between binge eating and overeating. And I think it's kind of just like a slang word that we throw around like, Oh, I totally binge ate last night. Binge eating is a very serious <laughs> disorder and it, it is, it is almost to an extreme. So I kind of want to hear from your perspective, like what is the difference between binge eating and overeating? So if someone listening, they can kind of almost figure out if they do have an actual issue or if it's more of just like an overeating issue. Um, and then like air quotes, your number one tip, like just advice, I guess that you have for women struggling with either binge eating or overeating. Like what's the first thing you would tell someone to do if they are in that cycle of like binging? So it's, it's kind of a hard line between binge eating and overeating because 
Um, one of the biggest misconceptions about binge eating is that it's defined by a volume of food. And actually that's not, there is no volume that makes a binge a binge. There is no duration. I know that there's in the DSM, the diagnostic manual, there's, um, there is a quote like duration for how long you need to be struggling with binge eating to have binge eating disorder. I also think a lot of the diagnoses or the diagnostic criteria is bullshit, but that's a whole different conversation. So I, it's, there is no, there is no volume. There is no frequency. The big difference between binge eating and overeating, and even still I'm like, oh, it gets murky because I think they kind of do whatever, is that binge eating is driven by restriction. And people oftentimes assume that binge eating occurs in a vacuum, that it's like, you just have a problem with binge eating because you're lazy and you're fat. Like that's like what people genuinely think is that people who are in bigger bodies are binge eaters and they just are binge eaters because they can't stop eating because they have no willpower, which is just absolute bullshit all mm -hmm. around. What it is, is binge eating is driven by restriction. So if someone, it doesn't matter what your body size is, if you're struggling with binge eating, um, I can, I will ask you like, where are you restricting in your life? Oh, well, I'm not really restricting, but I just like, I, I really shouldn't be eating these foods. That's restriction. If you have mental restriction, that is restriction. Like there, there is restriction driving it and your body is responding as if, again, you are, your survival is at risk. As if you are like facing a food famine and it needs to feast in order to prepare for that famine or to recover from that famine. So even there's this um, phenomenon called, called the last supper phenomenon where you're going on a diet tomorrow, right? You're never eating cheese again, or you're never eating bread again. And so the night before that diet, you eat like seven pieces of bread or like you eat an entire block of cheese or whatever it is. You eat like 18 quesadillas, whatever, you know, but then guess what? You wake up the next morning and you don't actually want to go on the diet and you don't ever go on the diet. Even thinking about going on a diet can cause you to binge eat. This is like deprivation is stored as trauma in the body and your body is responding to restriction trauma by being like, I need to eat as much as freaking possible. You go on this, like binge eating is you go on this autopilot. It's almost like you're zoned out and you're inhaling food. You're basically just like a food vacuum of, and, and it's a very dissociated thing. So people often describe binge eating as I just came to, you know, a, two giant bags of chips later looking around like what just happened like it's a very it's very dissociative it's very like um intense it's instinctual it's your body quite literally saying you need to get out of the way for a second because i got work to do i gotta eat like and your rules not helpful like let me do the work and so your body kind of turns you off and takes over overeating, going to a restaurant, eating a little too much, getting a little too full. That's not binge eating. Um, it's not something to feel ashamed for. Overeating is not a problem. We do it. Who cares? Move on with your life. The, the idea that we have to be so ashamed of overeating that we can never overeat again. Are we intuitive eating right? If we overeat, like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this whole food freedom right? Yes, you're doing it all right. Unless you're focusing on weight loss and trying to lose weight, <laughs> like you're doing it all right, you know, and even whatever, there's nuance to that, but whatever. <laughs> so overeating is not a problem. Um, don't turn it into a problem. Don't diagnose it. And 
just focus on being more satisfied. The number one thing that I see with people who overeat chronically, right? And it's not binge eating. They're just kind of like they eat past the point of fullness is one, they're not eating enough throughout the day. So that's where I said it gets a little murky between binge eating and overeating because it's usually busy women who don't eat lunch or skip breakfast or who are just overeating, snacking throughout meals because they're letting adrenaline run them all day. They have no connection with their hunger and fullness. And I can literally, I know there are a bunch of people listening to this being like, oh, that's me. That you <laughs> literally, you don't eat lunch because you forget. And then all of a sudden it's 4 p.m. and you're freaking out because you're so hungry. So you have whatever's lying around the office and then you go try to go to the gym, but you're too tired to go to the gym because you haven't eaten. So then you go home and you sit on the couch and you overeat. And that's because you didn't eat enough during the day. So again, restriction <laughs> is the issue. Um, whether it's like intense restriction that is causing your body to feast or just day-to-day -day restriction from being too busy from whatever it is. These things need to be looked at. So the number one tip is, oh, uh, really quickly before I go on the tip. Restriction can also be in the form of satisfaction. If you're not eating meals, if you're not sitting down to eat meals and you find that you're overeating regularly, you're like, I eat enough throughout the day. I eat a lot of meals, but you're kind of eating on the go. You're not really paying attention to your food. You're just kind of like, whatever. That's where like this mindfulness needs to come in because our brains have to eat before our bodies eat. So our eyes have to actually see what we're eating. And if you're not paying attention to what you're eating, you're not going to be as satisfied. Also, if you're eating things like you know, workout bars and stuff. Your, your brain doesn't recognize that as food. So your brain isn't going to be like, Oh, I'm full off of that bar. Like it's, it's going to be like, give me more. Like, I'm yeah. And then you end up overeating. So it's like satisfaction is a really big part of this. So my number one tip in all of this, after I've said that little caveat is work on the restriction piece. Stop worrying so much about your body refeeding itself in whatever way it needs to and work on the restriction. Where are you restricting mentally? Where are you restricting emotionally? Are you not allowing yourself to feel your feelings? Um, are you labeling foods as good or bad, off limits? Are you um, withholding food from yourself but getting to eat? And are you like creating these really stringent rules around what you can and cannot eat? These things are going to cause your body to not trust you and take over. So, yeah. I absolutely love that. I feel like I even just learned a lot. I didn't even think about um, some of the points that you made. Like just, it is, it's so true. And as someone who's been through it and now feels like I'm pretty much on the other side in like a very good way, like, like she said, like it's scary. It is scary to let go and to not be restrictive and not to not have control. Like I'm very much, an obsessive person. That's why I feel like that's one of the main reasons I had like an eating disorder was just because I'm a very obsessive and it was something easy for me to control. And I felt in control and letting go of that can be scary, but it is so freaking worth it. And your freedom is at stake and your freedom is on the other side of letting go, letting go of that control and letting go of that, um, like fixation on restricting. And, and also too, I think a big thing that is, it's almost like, I think society too, like with the way we've marketing and what we've taught kids and what we've kind of grown up just seeing in social media, sometimes it's almost unintentional. Like people ask when I talk about my relationship with food and the, my journey, I didn't wake up one day and say, okay, I want to give myself an eating disorder. Like I wanted to lose a little bit of weight. I wanted to feel good in my body. And I went to Pinterest and I looked up like weight loss plans or like how to lose weight or whatever. And I see these 1200 calorie meal plans. I see these 
BS workout plans that are just like ridiculous and like detoxes and it's, it's what's shoved in our face. And so you have to be your own, like you have to be your own filter and you have to be able to like, just be educated on these things and realize what can be triggering, what can cause these habits and realize what's actually the truth. And what, like I was saying earlier, what's good for your body and not just what is the internet saying? Because half the time, like you don't know who wrote that. They could be in a disordered relationship with food. They could be writing just what they do. And maybe that's what's good for their body, but that's not what's going to be good for your body. So that's where getting a coach or a professional, like a therapist or a dietitian can be very, that understands you can be very beneficial because they're going to help you personalize something that's going to help you for where you're at mentally and physically and yada, yada, yada. So, um, before we end this, I do want to, I have two more questions for you. Um, one is just, so this is my podcast is the evolve your life podcast. And I kind of just want to hear from you like to this day, what has helped you evolve your life the most into what it is today? If you could put it to like one or two things. If you think about that 13 year old girl that was like dieting and just like, and then to who you are today, what has helped you like evolve into that the most? Um, I think the first is just like creating space to heal from my trauma. And I say this all the time, if you can invest in someone to help you heal from your trauma and to help you um, unpack some of that stuff from your childhood, even if you don't think of it as trauma, but it is <laughs> like, we've all been through trauma. It's whatever you're you may feel like your trauma is like not as bad as someone else's but like it's still trauma in the body that we need to release so um finding someone who you connect with and investing in your healing because this isn't going to be something that happens in a doctor's office it might not happen with insurance which sucks but mm -hmm. that's reality of the coaching industry. And I think that, you know, it's absolutely worth it if you can afford it and it will completely change the way you show up in your life, investing in people who can create space and hold you through your trauma healing process, whether it's in relationship to food, your body image, your, you know, overworking tendencies, your, the way that you carry stress. Um, and that leads me to my second point, which is um, realizing that the way that you are with dieting and like obsessively dieting is showing up in every other area of your life. You are um, trying to control relationships. You are trying to control your career and you're trying to control the future. You are obsessed with the future and you're obsessed with you know, what something could be instead of where you're at right now. You're deeply uncomfortable with being imperfect or being seen for who you are. You are probably you know, um, struggling a lot with being emotional and ex expressing your emotions because you feel like they're a source of weakness or whatever it is, or maybe you are highly emotional, um, but you've been made to feel bad about your emotions or like your emotions aren't, um, aren't like valid. valid. Yeah. They are. So it's, it's all these things. And I think the biggest one that I see is exactly what you said. People with disordered eating tend to be per highly perfectionistic, highly empathetic, um, helpers, givers, things like that, but also highly <laughs> perfectionistic. And, um, you will turn, take your relationship with food and project it onto work. <laughs> and then you will take your relationship with work and be like, Oh my God, this is stressing me out just as much as food used to stress me out. So finding someone who can help you navigate both and prevent that displacement because that is something I went through, which I didn't even realize I was such an overworker. And then I burned out and I'm actually currently like healing from a burnout right now, but I've been burned out for like a year or two years, probably my whole life. Like 
it's, it's shifting out of that fight or flight response and shifting into like, what does my life look like if I just chilled, yes. <laughs> like oh actually God. just like chilled the fuck out for five minutes, you know, like I'm what literally is sitting here like snapping, like, yes, like this is so it's something me and Mick were literally just talking about is we've seen so many girls that were the disordered girls that we looked up to, they were fitness coaches or bikini competitors, whatever. They've maybe healed a little bit and kind of gotten over that. But now they're like obsessed with business, which I mean, there's whatever, like you live your life however you want, you do your business however you want, but it very much feels like that obsession that was once with fitness and with health is now like, I'm, I don't want to be obsessed with this because I know it's bad for my health, but this is healthy because it's making me money and I'm whatever, like I'm helping people, but it is that very, it's same tent, like business and fitness go a lot and hand in hand. I have noticed that. And I, I do, I, it's, it's just funny how, how people, you think it's healthier for you because it's not food, but it, it, it can be just as mentally damaging to project it onto, like you said, onto other things. So like not only healing from your relationship with food, but also looking at those other areas of your life is so important. Exactly. And being, um, realizing that this whole process is really an act of calming the nervous system and shifting out of your fight or flight response, because dieting does keep you in a fight or flight and it keeps you distracted from your trauma. And when your trauma comes up and you start to deal with that stuff, you're going to want to distract again by being stressed and being like, Oh, but I can't too busy to focus on my sadness and stopping and allowing yourself to be sad and allowing yourself to calm the nervous system down and just shift out of that is incredibly uncomfortable like deeply deeply one of the most uncomfortable things you'll ever do in your life and so beautiful so i did strongly recommend it <laughs> <laughs> would recommend um yeah uh last but not least i want you to fully plug yourself i know there's probably a lot of girls listening to this like oh my gosh this girl just changed my life i'm sitting here with my jaw on the floor how can i work with you how can i do all these things that you just said like getting a coach getting a professional um, how can women find you, whether it's on Instagram, on social, or also if they do want to actually work with you? Um, I'm going to put all these links also in the show notes. so You can easily just click them, but just so they can hear it from you. Yeah. So my Instagram is trust your body project. That's why we're all about trusting our body around here. Um, my Twitter is Whitney Catalano because Twitter has weird caps on what you can do. Um, my podcast is trust your body project as well so i have a lot of really great information on there um i have a website winniecatalano.com and on there you can i have a free webinar on there i have a binge eating meditation on there i have um a just you can book a discovery call with me or a clarity call you have to apply because i kind of got overwhelmed with clarity calls recently but that is something that I offer. So before I work with anyone, I do a free hour to make sure that we're a good fit together to see if you're really in a place. Cause I don't take on, I, I take on a very few amount of clients. Um, cause emotional burnout is real. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's my thing. I'm running, I don't know when this is coming out, but I'm running a group program soon. Um, that is a little lower cost for people who need that. And I'll be running more group programs because I like them. And it's really fun when everyone in the group is binging on something weird at the same time. I ran this one group program where everyone was binging on like, um, like I had one girl who was eating like an entire family size box of Cheez-Its and then another girl who was like obsessed with these like frozen apple pies. And we just all started laughing together. Like they came into the call so ashamed of like, I can't stop eating these things. And then we all like went around and said like, what are you binging on now? And just like laughed about it. It was very fun. I loved it. I was like, that's oh, so awesome. It's nice. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's nice when you can get into, that's why I do group coaching as well. And I find that it's like, I love working one-on-one with people, but I also love that group aspect because there's something really special that comes to 
just gets created when you put women that are kind of in the same position together with a positive outlet and with a positive, with all the tools and stuff. It's like they really can blossom not only on their own, but like with each other. And there's things that other girls have been through that you may not have been through. So they can then help that other girl as well. Um, it's, it's really cool. Like, I just love, yeah, the group things when they're smaller, but like it is a group of women that are very much on the same wavelength. It's, it's beautiful. What can, what can come from that? So, um, I want to say thank you so much. I'm literally, I've learned so much and I can't wait to go listen to your podcast. I'm going to be sending them to my clients. Like if you're a client listening, like expect to get a bunch of her podcasts in this week's email, because I already, I already know that they're going to be so informative and people need to hear them. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And thank you guys for listening so much. Be sure to check out Whitney on her Instagram, on her website and send her a DM. Um, and I'll have all that information in the show notes below so you can easily click on it. And I will chat with you guys in the next episode.